I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another special of the Box Set Pod hosted by me, Howell, with no Jamie due to his ongoing struggle to raise a human being. I tried to call him on the phone this week and it went straight to answer phone. Jamie wouldn't normally answer, but it wouldn't be turned off. I can only imagine the apocalypse that is Jamie's house as his child is one week old. Frightening stuff. Uh, He will join us again in the next few weeks, I'm sure. But tonight, another special. This is a spoiler special. Special. Spoiler alert, this whole podcast will be talking about the entirety of the West Wing. Joining me this evening is live from London, Matthew Wandless. Good evening, Matthew. Good evening, Howell. Well, this is exciting. Just finally, finally the two real stars of the box set pod. <laughs> It is get. exciting. There's a very, it's it's sort of uh, there's something very sensual. I know about I know. this uh, podcast. I'm sort of the, the, the lighting's low in here, and uh, I've, I've got a glass of wine. I've lit some candles. Um, Feels like something's going to happen. Ironically, <laughs> this isn't the podcast I'm naked. The podcast I was naked was uh, back when it was too hot to. <laughs> I think it's better to leave them wanting more. I <laughs> yeah. think uh, if you just go straight in naked, that's just you know you take away all the allure. Yeah, um, you have to tell me if you hear my microphone go weird during this podcast because last week it did with jack and uh i only noticed afterwards it was very oh odd. okay um, i will do yeah and, and you're probably going to hear my cat at some point because she's um she's go. being very forceful right now she's sort of come over to me and she's uh she's demanding attention this is there's high drama already on the podcast yeah. this is a great tease forward um <laughs> So, um, the West Wing, uh, I, I think it's, it is not news to anybody that this is one of our favourite box sets of all time. Definitely in my top three, getting on the spaceship. How about you? Absolutely, yeah, 100%. Where would you put it? I mean, if, if you could only take one box set to space, would it be the West Wing? I think it would be. Wow, I think, I think so too. Although Which is not to say that I think it's the best... Mm. series out there that I, I wouldn't give it that but it, it, it i think it is my favorite it's the most rewatchable for me and i would um i would take it and how would you define favorite versus best <laughs> well it's it's like um the- i can objectively say that say uh dr strange love mm. is maybe the best film yeah i've seen i i i think it's in, uh, incredible but i wouldn't want to watch it every day yeah yeah whereas i'd take star wars like anywhere right right which um brings us back to uh conversations around what is good what is popular yeah. and what is good quality but, but it, it, yeah and it, that is a fascinating thing because i am currently balls deep into community thanks to your recommendations and others oh, yeah. and 
My God, what a TV series. It's brilliant. Isn't so, it good, yeah. Yeah, and and that's a good example of one that I would uh, seriously have to consider taking with me, I think. Um, oh, wow, you that, oh, that's become that popular for oh, you. Oh, it's brilliant. It's just great. If only, if only others on this podcast would have delved into Chuck as deeply as I have delved into Community. You know, not wanting to get sidetracked too much, but I actually did delve back into Chuck. You, well, you said you did a few weeks ago go maybe go go on yeah but i've i've now i've watched the final episode of series one and the first three okay. of series two okay and is it's this... not going well Howell. it's not, it's going, not going well, well i'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> i've decided I... i'm going to give it the four episodes of series two and then uh, if i don't if something magical doesn't happen i'm, I'm done okay okay I, th- I think it's a balance of not expecting too much from it which but which kind of brings us on to the west wing because yeah I'm. I've currently signed up to Aaron Sorkin's masterclass, which for ninety dollars you can watch about fifteen hours worth of Aaron Sorkin teaching you how to write a screenplay. Interesting. It is very interesting, but what it, it strikes me immediately that it it's a waste of ninety dollars for me because I'm trying to write TV comedy, and his whole thing is uh, about for him. It's not about creating characters first. It's about creating a discussion first, creating an argument. And the characters come out of that argument. They serve whatever the objective is for your main character, for example. Um, Other characters will then serve that. Uh, He's not into big, lengthy uh, character kind of biographies and thinks that's a waste of time. It's all about ideas and the discussion and the debate of ideas. And... Uh, and that is, you know, when you watch him speak, you just go, well, this is what makes the West Wing great. And it what it's what makes that subject great. But it wouldn't work if he was writing Community. And that's perhaps why he hasn't written something like Community. Because mm. Community, you do start with seven clearly defined characters. You introduce them all on the first page in some easy way. And then you create an obstacle and then you solve the obstacle. You know, it's kind of uh, a bit more simple. And, and that's where... The West Wing um, screeches to us, although although now perhaps we remember it as more populist and and less worthy than say The Wire and things like that. That that in style um, aren't as difficult are, are much more difficult. Um, we can we, when you watch it again, you realise just how much. Uh, especially now Trump's elected, just how much it really is about arguing the, uh, the the arguments about what makes America great and how we make this this great country into the great country that it it is in a blueprint, you know. Yeah. Um. Uh, so so we haven't spoken since Donald Trump got elected. By the way, Maybe, no, we haven't. Yeah. No. Yeah. How are you feeling? Uh, you know. I, I I don't I don't know to be honest. I, I saw um, a very good uh, what's what's the guy called um, uh, who does he, he's like he plays a roving reporter character who off who, who sort of speaks to the camera off camera if you see what In, I mean. It, oh yeah 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 I know the guy. I can't remember what his name is. Yeah, it's I've, Jeremy I've something. seen that as well. Yeah, he's a fake. Jeremy Pie or something like that. He's a fake. Uh, it, it's character, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, right. And yeah. uh, he, he did a, a great uh, one about how uh, this is this is what the left deserves yeah. for for fucking things up. Yeah, and 
and and for being so um, intolerant and so um, uh, condescending, arrogant, yeah, and yeah, yeah, and, and uh, a lot like Brexit. I think yes, like a lot like Brexit of going. Yeah, you don't. I mean, it's my, it's been my uh, soapbox for a long time of saying to people, look, but but this is where it's I. It's actually, you know, what it's an argument, and not not to just try and be uh, too segue heavy, but yeah. it's an argument that is raised in the West Wing. Yeah. In um in series three, mm-hmm. when they're um, when they're in the wake of uh, the president's MS scandal. Mm. And they go out to his farm in Manchester, and they bring in the speechwriters. Sorry, not the speechwriters. The um, uh, yeah, it actually is speechwriters speech from Bru- with Bruno Giannelli and uh, yeah. that guy Doug, who's in Sex and the City, and um, mm-hmm. what's her face from uh, Friday Night Lights uh, come yeah. in. Yeah, and um, and they uh, what do they, do? they really they they focus on this thing about how the the liberal left elitist um, can be taken down by the plain spoken yeah. uh, homeland jock. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and it's really interesting because he, he says, um, Doug says to Toby, he says, you're, you're always educating the public. You're never more happy than when you're educating the public. Mm. And uh, it, it, you know, it does ring very, very true. With, yeah, it does. And and where where that guy's uh, that I watched that speech you're talking about from the fake reporter, and I, I agree with everything he's saying. But it's it was also in the backlash. We almost, we had this hangover, didn't we? A lot like Brexit. Of the the day after, it was like for people around the world, it, it was deeply personal. It was like being dumped by the love of your life it was it was just awful and then since then we see things like him and we see writing and and i the only thing i'd say against his argument are two things really one is the liberal left also managed to argue themselves out of any situation to make them feel better and this is an example of that so we we actually go well it's not going to be so bad and here's why it's not going to be so bad and historically this is an important thing Uh, america swings left to right and somebody on the right who lost if if brexit had gone the other way or if trump had lost uh, somebody on the other side wouldn't be going, well, this is important. They wouldn't be liberally philosophical about it. They would go, this is shit, and they'd get angry and they'd, they'd take arms in some way or they'd be pissed off. And I'd say that to him. And the second thing I'd say to him is I, I don't think it is necessarily a massive... Uh, I think it is all of the flaws that he described of presuming that Hillary could be elected and all of that. But I actually think what we saw with Nigel Farage and what we saw with Brexit and what we saw here is something that I understand really well and you do as people who understand performance and having been on the radio and talked to the public who voted Brexit, they were my audience for years. And I always said, if I went on the radio and I implied a little bit of racism, my listening figures would double. And I never did because I didn't want to be that person. I have morals and I have ethics. But yeah. if I did do that, it would work because 
the vast, uh, uh, not the vast majority, but a large number of people have been left behind by globalisation. People who can't travel that much, people who don't have access to inner city education, people who uh, live in poor areas and can't access the internet as much. These people have a genuine gripe around globalization they see if you live in a small town in america where the factories closed down and you uh you also see uh immigration in the news a lot and you see immigration happening around you and jobs going to younger people and people people who are a different color from you because they're willing to be paid less and because they're immigrants you've got a genuine gripe there that goes well globalization is fine you're all moving forward we're left standing still and there's a performer there that if they stand up like Farage did and they just connect, they just, no matter how much of an asshole they appear to be, they appear to mean what they say. They don't appear to be talking politics, which mm. is where Jeremy Corbyn does, does struggle because although he might be making arguments which are intellectually for the people, he doesn't make you want to go out and have a pint with him and he doesn't make you want to go and stand in a stadium and cheer for him. So... If you want to engage those people, it's not just about looking at yourself and blaming yourself. It's also about being saying, I'm not going to change someone's mind. I'm not going to educate somebody into being not racist. They're probably going to stay racist. And if instead of putting Hillary Clinton up, we put Tom Hanks up, we'd probably win. And it comes down to really simple casting whilst respecting their situation you know don't think you can educate them but do think that you can get somebody who they are a fan of to talk to them who can connect with them that's what mm. i think okay i wish we did i, I think that I, th I think that the one major thing that the last year is going to change about politics is that they the the kind of spin world is going to realize that it isn't just about how you write a soundbite it's about genuinely finding somebody who can fill a room really quickly for whatever reason and the danger well, that, that, that's true and uh, and i mean that that comes back to the west wing as well let's try and do that shall we yeah uh, <laughs> yeah because bartlett one of the themes of the show is oratory yeah and um and the power of uh language and um and 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 what a what a writer can do, how it can how it can lift a room and and can and um and inspire people. Yeah. And uh, uh, and and in like it, it's, it's so, it is so idealistic the the West Wing in the sense of could we could we ever see a president like Bartlett? Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, th there's that great episode in I can't think which one it is series two or three called let bartlett be bartlett yeah where it's all about not shying away from your liberalism yeah and that's something that we definitely do now you know the, obviously every um supposedly left-wing candidate has gone further and further to the right or the center mm -hmm. and obviously blairite politics is the very um crystallization of that yeah and um uh that th you know they they say let's show that you are um let's show that um you are the person for the job because you are the smartest guy in the room yeah and uh they they, they said they, they this thing about the white house being demystified and the um and the uh the impression being created that anyone can do the job yeah 
and and obviously Trump is the crystallization of that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but isn't Bartlett? Uh, isn't Barack Obama? You said couldn't could we actually have a, a Bartlett? Isn't Barack Obama Bartlett? Do you think he is? Well, you know what? Actually, I guess he really is because one of the things I realised when I was thinking about this podcast is that Bartlett doesn't do anything in the two terms you see him in there. There is nothing. There's very little, or, or, or even nothing, that you can, that you can look at in the series and go, mm. that's the the legacy of the Bartlett era. Yeah, yeah, they um, don't. They he, don't. he is stymied by Congress and the Senate. Yeah, and the Speaker of the House at every turn. Yeah. Uh, mm. You know, they have that ama- They have that episode where they come up with this amazing tax-free education plan where they're going to um, make it tax-deductible. Any, any any money spent on tuition is going to be tax-deductible, which they come up with on the back of a napkin with a guy they meet in a hotel who's taking his yeah, daughter to right. look at colleges. Yeah, yeah. And it's the, the, that wonderful kind of pie-in-the-sky lefty thinking. Yeah. And then it, it gets gradually taken apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by by that horrible sort of season five where um uh they're just mired in yeah nothingness and uh, and and the whole the whole thing that comes about after he's uh, reinstated after the whole disaster with Zoe yeah 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 and, and I I, yeah. I think that he would get elected Bartlett and I, I just like Barack Obama got elected but I the, I think the we, we're jumping to the end in a way now, but my conclusion about the West Wing is that this is written by a writer who loves words and who thinks that persuasion and like, uh, well, I've heard him say it now, but the, you know, it's all about ideas and the clash of ideas, and and I don't agree. I think that it does. It's great if it can be about that, but what we've seen what people miss about Blairite politics is it's not just about positioning yourself in the centre. That's important. But it's yeah. it's about Blair. It's about someone who can speak and people at home think that they're talking to them. He was a brilliant speaker and he looked honest. The first time I saw David Cameron speak was a time when electorally there was no way he was going to get elected in the next election. And I saw him on TV speak for the first time and I went, he's going to get elected next definitely next prime minister and they said oh it can't happen of course he was up against gordon brown and mm. and he walked it and they said let gordon be gordon about gordon they they've said it about a lot of politicians to try and go look let's forget the spin let's just be no the truth is what being elected is is picking the front man of the biggest band in the world and if you pick a bassist or a drummer they won't <laughs> they won't get elected it's it's like that should be the prerequisite is I'm, I'm sorry but you have to find Mick Jagger first and then and then he can deal with whatever issues he wants. And Bartlett would be a great, a great uh, president, just like I think Barack Obama was a great president. But the, the, you know, the next part of the story, I suppose, is how does that rock star work inside a system which is there to have checks and balances and stop them being able to achieve what they want if if Congress decides, which is yeah. which is what it is. So Matt and I have both prepared a series of envelopes uh, to discuss. So let's jump straight in. I'll let you go first. What's your first? Well, I think I've got quite an appropriate one, actually, which is, um, does the show suffer from Aaron Sorkin's taste for saccharin, or does that give the show heart? Definitely gives the show heart. I wouldn't go against that. I heard something on on the West Wing podcast, the West Wing Weekly, which is a really good podcast, um, 
I heard them point something out about series one, and that is that what you have to remember in context is that in series one, that was that was a completely new thing. There was no political show on like mainstream TV, and it was up against whatever was out Dawson's Creek, you know. Um, <laughs> and so the the floating oboe that comes in over certain speeches and things in the first series, they didn't really do that as much in subsequent series because they they knew it was popular. They fucking did. They did, yeah, but they didn't do it quite as much. It wasn't quite as saccharine. Um, but let's, let's not talk about that because that's another one of my statements. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. Um, but but uh, you, you think yeah. it gives the show heart? Do you? You, you like that? The kind of flag waving. Um, I I was put off, but that was the thing. Which this was the first time we came up with the four episode rule, Matt. This is when I invented the four episode rule was when I went into Jamie's bedroom when we lived together. He had this thing on okay, called the West what's Wing. What's this going? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> he had a thong on and he had this thing called the West Wing <laughs> on. And uh, and I sat and so watched what's it. What's four episodes of this and I'm going to do some other stuff? Well, I watched like <laughs> two episodes and... And the thing that really put me off was the music, was the patriotism, and I went, oh, God, four episodes later, I was sold completely. I, I, I do think it's necessary, because you're just going to have a debate show, aren't you, if you don't have the pathos? Not necessarily, because I, th- I think bas- basically, like, they're, they're, the debate is there throughout, and... It, and um, that's fine. I've got no problem with the debate, but it's the moments where... And I, I mean, it's hard to argue because they're such beautiful moments, mm. but it's kind of the sort of the thousand yard stare moments where Bartlett starts it, 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 in, in the first episode. It's where he says, with the clothes on their back, they came. Oh. And he's talking about the Cubans in in the sea. And it's like, it's beautiful, but it's yeah. also it's just like, oh, God, I'm going to chuck all over the floor. <laughs> and it's like they all might as well stand there with their little tiny American flags and just wave them. Because the problem is that it's all when, when those moments happen, it's generally speaking about something very American. Yeah, but that's what is that's what is great about America. I've just seen John Oliver talk, not John Oliver, John Stewart talking about the Trump thing. And he said, mm. nobody ever asked Trump what is great about America. He kept saying, I'm going to make America great again. But no one ever said, what does make America great or what did make it great? And yeah. the truth is that it's it's anti, he says, it's anti-human. Like, it's a really unique country because humanity is tribal. And what they've set up there is an idea that, that's very different from tribalism. And you, you're trying to build something off the back of that. As soon as you step off a plane in America, as soon as you walk into New York or whatever, it feels so different from stepping off the plane in London or Bangkok because it has those... It is about an ideal. It is about hope and these things which you find embarrassing because you have a poor relationship with your own masculinity. So <laughs> so you feel you feel embarrassed when you feel moved. Um no. I don't it, have a problem with that. I don't I don't have a problem with feeling moved, but I don't feel moved by those moments. Oh, I felt Some of them I, I felt do. moved by the by the uh, uh, on their backs with the clothes on their backs they came. I think it does it comes a bit quick in episode it's 1. I'll they, say they that. want they want a better life and they want it here. Yeah, they do. They do, oh, but it's it's, <laughs> it's it's too much sometimes. Sometimes the the American flag just sort of wants to wrap itself around me and strangle me. I recently went to Dubai and Bangkok and Hong Kong, and mm. when I went to those places, I expected because I always go on holiday to America. I expected 
to never go to America again because I was suddenly going to be bit by the Michael Palin travel book. And these wonderful places were wonderful, and I did feel like Michael Palin, but it actually made me think, God, America's a great country because the oppression and the systems and the religion that those countries are built on, the cruelty that exists in the world. We live in a very safe country here. Um, the uh, I, I got it even more. I got I got that idea of yearning to yearning to be free. I got it a hundred percent, you know, and and so I do I do get it, but I I do feel like sometimes they come they blindside you those moments. Suddenly yeah. the oboes go in. Sam Seaborn's got a tear in his eye, and everybody. There's a couple of moments where they all say, "I stand with the United with the President of the United States." They I take, serve at the pleasure of the I president. I serve at the pleasure yeah. of the president. And they all take it in turns. Everyone in the room says it. And there's another one where they're, where they're all sat on the on Josh's apartment stoop and they all say, God bless America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, come on, seriously? Yeah. Did, it, did no one say anything yeah, while yeah. you were filming this? Or was everyone just like, oh, this is such a fucking great scene. I can't believe we're getting to do this. <laughs> I'm sure there's a few outtakes. I'd kill to see the outtakes of that. There are some good bleepers from the West Wing. There are some good ones. <laughs> oh, but it's interesting as well when you consider Mar- uh, Martin Sheen's uh, a very politically charged entity mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And uh, um, um, this still sort of leads me on. I wanted, I wondered what your attitude was to the way they um, venerate the uh, the military in in this show they they, yeah. they you know the whole show is laced like the you know there's a very uh basic sentiment in the in the states that uh the republicans are for defense spending and the yeah. Amer- and the democrats aren't yeah um but while this show is very pro democrat the the respect for the military is baked into the crust yeah um and sometimes you know speaking as someone who and it's not that I don't respect soldiers in the military I do whoa but um I also am a pacifist and uh you know I, I you it's difficult it's difficult monkey <laughs> yeah, I'm basically French <laughs> um it is difficult territory that uh, no no you can say what you want on a bloody podcast but but I I think Again, I think there's a real politic that exists in the world. I remember reading John Simpson's book about the wars on Saddam, which is a brilliant book. And he quoted in that, it always stuck with me, that in the notes from, I think it was Dick Cheney being taken into the bunker on 9-11. Even at that moment, the notes of what he was saying was, see if we can blame this on SH, Saddam Hussein, right? Um, because the because the reality of the world is very different from what we get sold as free people who who are allowed to be pacifists, and actually they were even at that moment going, um, we need an excuse to take Saddam down, and Blair will have felt that way, and you know they'll have all had him down as well. He's a Hitler, so if we get the chance, let's get rid of him. It's not going to cause any damage, is it? Um, and. And I think West, the West Wing shows that quite well, in not not in any detailed sense, but in the sense that if you're in that office, uh, the questions about this is your island and you've got to 
make sure there are a shitload of people who who want to take you down or want to challenge you or want to who've got vested interest militarily and you're going to have to step up and make decisions about it you know don't you think mm. it would be absolutely impossible to be a pacifist and a prime minister or a president well no i i think uh, we have to have pacifists in in office otherwise you end up with really scary figures like uh, Putin and, to a lesser extent, but still a fairly large extent, Trump. Yeah. Um, who are brash and uh, prone to conflict and uh, reckless. Yeah. And uh, th- there's a great episode about that. Uh, in, in it's, it's early on in the series, isn't it, when um, uh, the president's military doctor... Uh, is shot down in Amman, yeah. and um, uh, the president wants to bomb everyone. Yeah, and Leo has to talk him down. Yeah. And uh, there's a great scene actually between the two of them about uh, the the use of uh, American military force. Yeah, and he says, uh, Leo says to the president, "If you want to, you can conquer the world like Charlemagne. We're the only superpower left." Yeah, yeah, it's great. But you're going to have to kill everyone, and you'll have to kill me uh, first. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think that's about vengeance, uh, and I think they return yeah. to it a couple of times, like when he, Zoe gets kidnapped. It's like uh, he has to step himself down, and. Uh, uh, and and I use that argument when people say they're for the death penalty. They sort of go, you know, if someone killed your family member, I'd want to kill them. And I say, well, yeah, I, I, of course I would want to kill the person who killed my dad. But uh, that's why I'm not the one who makes the decision about what happens to him, because that's that's vengeance, not yeah. uh, just Yeah, they say exactly that in the show, don't they? Yeah, yeah. But what, what, do you, what do you think, just, just st- sticking on this topic, what, what do you think about the, um, the special episode they did at the start of Series 3 after 9-11? Um, I really liked it, but when I watched it, uh, it was closer to nine eleven, obviously. And back then, perhaps I had more. I, I I probably believed back then much more that the media could change people's minds about things. <laughs> and I think that right. much much less now, <laughs> having worked in it for a while. Um, I think I and and so I thought great. And and right to now, I think that country. It hurt them so badly, you know, that in a way that we can't imagine. We we have no, a history. can't understand it. Yeah, yeah, we have a history of of the Blitz and stuff and uh, and war. And if we'd literally never had a war like we have uh, on that scale, and somebody did something like that in our country, I mean, I, I went to I went to the nine eleven memorial. I went to the this, the Ground Zero uh, a couple of months ago and walk around the museum and it takes a couple of hours to walk around and and it really really hit me it was so sad to be there you realized holy shit this is like this is a horrible mass grave that we're walking mm. around yeah it, it was the same feeling that i had going around auschwitz where you go this this goes from what was um an absolutely terrible um action movie on tv for the whole world with the most impressive um attack and i mean impressive that's what terrorists want you know they drive a truck through crowds because it's 
hugely visually terrifying and scares everybody. They did. They pulled something off that was that was genuinely a sh- just a horrible, shocking attack. Um, and for those of us on the other side of the world, we watched with our mouths open and it was awful and we feared for ourselves, but not in the way that America did. With America, it was like that feeling you have if you were to come home and your house has been ransacked and your family have been killed, you know? It's like... Yeah, or, you, or you're just walking down the street and you get shot in the gut and you've got to try and get somewhere and yeah. recover somehow. Yeah, and so that... Uh, and and yeah, and it really opened my eyes to that in a way that went, oh, I get it now. I get why this is such a big um, something that to us, you know, uh, when the London bombings happened, our thing was kind of like, well, we get on with it, you know, let's crack on. Um, and there was a big element of, uh, I, I mean, they they sort of said that in America as well. They went, you know, the great thing about New York is that we get on with it, but at the same time, I think. I think it was a, a new, a, an entirely new thing for to be attacked on their soil. It had literally yeah. never happened. I mean, Pearl Harbor had happened, but that's out on Hawaii, you know, mainland America. So I really like that. I really like that episode. And, and so do I, because cause they're very um, they're very even handed with it. I think given yeah. given how close it was, you know, in proximity to the actual event. And, and it's interesting the, to me. The Ku Klux Klan comparison in it. So exactly, that's stuck always with stuck with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. What, what is it? Um, um, uh, Christianity uh, is to KKK as Al Qaeda is to Islam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that 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 has stuck with me very very uh, rigidly, and and uh, the whole kind of interrogation of the guy uh, who turns out to be fine. Yeah, he was as well. Yeah, you know, it's. I think it's really important that a show of this stature did something like that, mm. and I think he really undercut it. I don't. Did you watch the newsroom? Yep. Uh, I watched the first series. Thought it was awful. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, um, we, we, I, I, I watched the newsroom and I, and I liked it enough to watch the whole thing, basically, because mm. um, I, I just I adore his writing and I can kind of watch anything that he's written pretty much. Yeah. Um, but there is, they, they have an episode on that. Cause obviously the newsroom is very uh, interesting in that, it, you know, it shows real life events and deals with that. Yeah. And they have an episode which centers around the death of Osama bin Laden. Mm. And like some of the characters in the show are stuck on a plane that can't take off and they get to break the news to the plane that Osama bin Laden is That's dead. That's right. I have seen that. Yeah. And it's awful. It's yeah. like I, I watched it and I was horrified at the way he dealt with it. Right. Um, because it lacked any of the nuance and the ability to see both sides of a story that the West Wing has in spades. Yeah. But you, yeah, but then you don't deserve two sides of the story if you're Osama bin Laden. No, I'm, I'm not saying that he does, but... Certainly not in that environment that we've just described. It's like, kill, but kill, it's, kill the fucker. It, yeah, I know, but it's it's there, there are it is vengeance in that episode. It is yeah, vengeance. Yeah, yeah. It's America's vengeance, and totally. um, uh, no, I, I don't I don't know what else to say about it. I'm not I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not well. I'm not. I don't know enough about it to talk about it eloquently. But I, I really didn't like it. I thought it was um, I thought it was heavy handed and. It feels uh, it reveled in his in his death in a way which I found uh, inappropriate. Yeah, 
it feels completely odd to us. It was like when they found Saddam Hussein and um, George Bush said, we got him, you know. It, 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 I don't know why, but in Britain it feels odd to us. And if you ask me if I could go back in time and shoot Hitler as an 18-year-old, I would. That was 100%. I'd do it. Yeah. Um, so it's weird, yeah, I don't know, but I wouldn't necessarily, like, cheer and um, uh, throw a party afterwards. I think that's yeah. the thing. That's, if there's something of, like... If there's something in it's not British, then that's that sums it up. That moment that you've just described, I think. Yeah. Um, well, um, we, there's no way we're going to get through all our topic po- talking points. Let's. No, but you you hit one. All right. Um, in hind, I, I suppose we, we've kind of touched on a lot of them. Um, in hindsight, turns out they're really arrogant. Discuss. <laughs> mm. <laughs> the liberal arrogance of it all, um, and I, I mean that in. Not in a kind of uh, not not dissing the show, just that when you watch it again, and I noticed this listening to the West Wing Weekly as well, when they talk about the characters in it, it's like there are actually um, like Josh Lyman. I didn't really realise when I first watched it that Josh Lyman is supposed to be massively arrogant and jumps in in the deep end, says things wrong, screws things up because of his super confidence. And they say that about him a lot. There's a lot of storylines about it. I just didn't notice it. They they were heroes. And I think now, uh, when I watch it now, I kind of go, wow, that is that is an incredibly arrogant standpoint to stand there and say, like you said before, if you say it, the people will listen, you know, it's kind of, um, mm. you can change people's mind with great rhetoric and things like that. It's like, that's an incredibly arrogant and possibly dangerously short-sighted point of view. See Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there's a, a couple, you know, there's great episodes of, of Josh kind of falling on his own feet Mm. No, falling on his own feet, his putting sword. his feet in his mouth on his sword with yeah. his feet in his mouth. Yeah. Um, but uh, like when the um, when he tries to be press secretary. Yeah. So that's so funny. <clears throat> really, oh really my good. God! In fact, that's trumped by one thing, which is um, when Toby tries to be press secretary um, <laughs> in a later series, and it's... Well, well, he gradually becomes press secretary. <laughs> yeah, he's he trained into doing it. He but, does, um... but that first time, and he's just leaning over the lectern. And he's yeah. just being massively sarcastic. <laughs> it's so <laughs> yeah. funny. And so, yeah, I, I didn't and realize. CJ's watching and kind of wincing. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> just going, no. Um, in the f- the first watch, I just loved the characters. I just kind of thought that they were. Again, and I'm sensing from you a difference uh, from me in a sense that I I have worked. The reason I found newsrooms so difficult is one that my wife work has worked in newsrooms for a long time. I've worked yeah. I've worked next to newsrooms for a long time, and the reality is that nobody in a newsroom ever has a debate around can we change people's minds about this. It's so anti what their job is. Their job is to tell. I people... I don't think that's what happens in the newsroom. But let's not get let's not get that's sidetracked the whole by premise the newsroom. of the newsroom. No, it's isn't not. It? I disagree. No, it is. It's it's to say something responsibly. Say something. You have a power that means that you can. Uh, yeah, it's about how you should report on something or what should be reported on. But it's not saying that you can uh, put a, you can put an incorrect or a correct spin on it. It's about 
no. what is what is worthy of the news. Right, it's about yeah, yeah. Um, holding it up to a, a higher standard. Yeah, which doesn't happen. I can tell you now. <laughs> well, you know, you haven't worked with uh, Jeff Daniels. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I think it's right that it doesn't happen. And this is where this is where I perhaps differ from some of the ideals now in the West Wing. When I first watched it, I genuinely believed that if I was given the chance to be on the radio every day, I would make the world a better place. And, and then I went and worked on the radio every day. And I might have made the world a better place by two inches, but whenever I tried to do it in any slightly Sorkin-like speech or way, the audience what about the, text what you about and James say, Who's James O'Brien? The LBC guy, you can't you can't not have seen his. What does L stand for in LBC? <laughs> yeah, but these videos are shared so widely um, on Facebook. I've probably seen him. What's his name again? You must look him up, James O'Brien. Yeah, he, he is. Uh, I can't think of the name of the character in the newsroom, but he's that guy at the moment. He's fantastic. Right. Okay. He just says everything that I say. Everything, not everything that I say. Everything that I think, and then back it up with facts and stuff and you know in a way that makes me go jesus christ oh i know you. i didn't even realize i could possibly be like <laughs> my points could be proven yeah i had no idea i'm just sort of going oh i think this yeah and then he comes mm. on and goes it's this and hits yeah. you with it all he's brilliant well um, i think that's fine but i think lbc is also if you, you, it's a cast of characters there a lot of which aren't, no sure for our used to be on lbc yeah exactly and so you you can put somebody like him up against that background and um seemingly create a kind of superhero but what i believe is that that hit people who listen to that that very few people's minds are changed by what they no, see. No, I know. I'm not or, saying you can change yeah. people's minds, but I'm yeah, saying the discussions yeah. happen. But anyway, we're yeah. talking about the newsroom now. Um so so how does that how is that relevant? Well, I so the West Wing itself as an entity, I thought every child should watch this. Every yeah. person in the world should be made to watch this program because it's so right and it's so uh it's so correct and uh, there's there's more Actually, it's it's kind of. Um, I'm not sure whether I still think that. I, I do think everyone should watch it because it's amazing. But I'm not sure whether whether playing the West Wing to. I've I've spoken to many a right wing person who are massive fans of the West Wing, uh, who love it as a TV series. But like I was saying earlier about Trump fans, it's like, I'm sorry, unless your policies are affecting my town where I haven't got a job, it's tough shit. It's just telly. It's just TV. It's a comedy show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, so I, I look at it differently. Um, what mm. else? Let's, let's move see, on. That's, that's interesting. So, what do you, do you think they were arrogant? Um, yeah, definitely. I, I think actually um, Sorkin was writing them as arrogant and more. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think he put... it, it, they referenced as that so many times in the show. Yeah, and he has said he likes putting people in the writers' room that have different political opinions of him and who are different from him. So I think he did it on purpose. I think actually he'll have heard from other people in the writers' room that his views were quite arrogant leftist views and he'll have put yeah, that yeah. into the script. So he'll have kept yeah. his argument in, but he'll have start to, started to mix it up a bit. And I think there is a big difference. I mean, even in series one, and we won't talk about Mandy, dreadful character, um, but yeah. e even in series one, actually, if you look at what Mandy does, and this is what I've learned from listening to the West Wing Weekly, um, Mandy, we don't like Mandy because she doesn't fit in with the with that saccharine, um, cheering for the team thing. Her actual job is a political 
analyst. She's a spin doctor, isn't she? Yeah. Really? Her job is to tell you the truth of how this is polling, how this is, you know, uh, all of that stuff. Um, so she gets in big trouble for accidentally leaking an internal... Oh, she wrote a memo. Mm, that, she wrote an anti While she was working for the other side. While yeah. she was working for the other but, side. And she's treated like she's shit a... for it. But it's like, that was her job. That was her yes, job. Yes, yes. You know, but she's not a pollster. She, I mean, she, she, um, she works with that aspect, but she's, she's about dressing up a message, yeah, and uh, and and making the White House look good, regardless. You're right. You're right. She's not a pollster. Yeah. So, so it's almost like we don't like her character as much because she's about the theatre of it, whereas the other characters we see that they are about. Hey, it doesn't matter what the theatre is. We care about that, but we're not going to change no, that's our right. message. She, she is the the actual political machine. In, in that she's about dressing up something and showing it as what the public want it to be rather than what it is. Yeah. Whereas everyone else in the show is honest and good yes. and, uh, and righteous. Righteous. And, uh, yeah, and, and she's prepared to lie and cheat and, uh, yeah, yeah, and do all yeah. those things. But also it's just, it's, it's a badly written character. Yeah. I don't like the actress. Yeah, uh, she's yeah. got a weird way of talking. <laughs> and, Poor uh, woman. She, uh, and, and she is the, the, She's oh. the worst actor in the cast. Oh, Matt, imagine being her. Which brings me on to my next statement. Go on. Which is, Dulé Hill is the third worst actor in the cast. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. Which is an in-joke which references uh, How Will I first clash about the West Wing. <laughs> um, I um, wondered if you were going to bring up good old Dulé Hill. He was very young. Like, he was 18 or something when he went in. But, you, but yeah, what I want to... This is the argument we had way back. I'm yeah. not saying that he's bad. Okay. But for me, it goes um, Wendy, I think, Wendy something, I think her name is, the woman who plays Mandy Hampton. Yeah. Um, Rob Lowe. Mm-hmm. Dulé Hill. Because everyone else is so good. <laughs> Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, Rob, Rob Lowe is, is the weakest member of the I, cast. Do you know what? Uh, okay. Whatever, whatever her name is. I'm just going to agree with you. But I, I, no, do you know what? I'll agree with you on Rob and Mandy to, to, yeah? to a point. Um, who's who? Who'd be your third on the list? Look, then? you're going to say Janelle Maloney, aren't you? No, I'm not. I think she's wonderful. But Rob's Damn Rob Lowe's right. character. His his he is supposed to be the biggest heart in the character. He thinks with his heart. He gets passionate sooner than everybody else. That's his... This is nothing to do with the character for me. Rob well... Lowe is a bad actor. <laughs> He's just not. He oh. is. And he is incapable of wielding the language of Sorkin in the way that the rest of them are. Right. Because, and I think I'm right in this, he's the only one who's not been a stage actor. All right. Or wasn't a stage actor before he was um, in, in the show. I think he's gone on to do some stage stuff. Then I agree with you entirely. And I, I, I must admit that in Parks and Rec, I felt the same way about him. I was did. he in Parks and Rec? When did he, he show up in that? Oh, he's great. You need to come with I'm Parks, not a Parks and Rec, Rec fan. Man. Oh, it's, um... ama- it's amazing, Matt. That so is, they all tell me. It really is. The first, you know, I thought I'd put it to the test. I went back to the first season. Because, I watched the first series. I didn't like it. Yeah, because everyone says, "Oh, the first season's no good." But I thought, I, I wonder if it's just because we don't know the characters. So I went back to the first season, going, "Come yeah, on, and yeah. it's just no good, isn't it?" And it's no good because it comes off the back of the office. It's shot like the office. Exactly. Yeah. In the so let's not talk about one, Parks and Rec, though. In the Who's second one, it's not. Um, um, Dulé Hill. 
do the hills really character. charlie is your favorite character no but i do love him um my favorite character has to be i Jack. love charlie as well don't get me wrong i'm not saying he's bad he's the third worst i i just think that like with the get down like you didn't turn up for the get down i just think it's because he's a person of color and you're subconsciously um culturally biased yeah you just don't understand the way that people of color talk it's good to know why I think the way I think. <laughs> Thanks, Howell. Um, no, I, in other news, I did. Wa- I, I've watched the whole first episode of The Get Down now, and I really like it. Good, good. But, um, let's Wish not talk about that either. But who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? Come on, um, who's your favorite on the team? Uh, well, it's got to be Bartlett. It's got to be Bartlett, and then John Spencer, and then Josh. Oh, interesting. So you just go in order of rank. Uh, oh, no, that's Toby's true. Than Josh. That's true. To- Toby's higher up. Oh no, Josh. Toby though. I can't rank him. I can't rank him. I think Toby is my favourite. He was certainly my favourite yeah. after the first couple of series. Oh, Jamie's favourite, definitely. But but I think that Toby's supposed to be all of our favourites. He is. But I love CJ as well. Yeah, CJ's great. I think uh, Alison Jenny is one of my favourite. You, you know, you get these actors who um, they don't often, well, or rather they never get lead roles in things. Yeah. They're always like uh, a really good bit part. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a guy. Have you seen the film Go? Oh, I feel like I have. And in fact, he crops up in this. Do you remember the episode with Glenn Close in it? Mm, yeah. Where she's uh, up to be the next Chief mm-hmm. Justice of the Supreme Court. Yes. And they bring in another guy who yes. represents the opposite uh, um, on the other side. I want to say his name's right Hermosa, guy. but it isn't. <laughs> I don't know uh, his name, but um, yeah. uh, that actor, he's yeah. one of my favourite guys that you never see do a lead role. Yeah, or, yeah, the, except yeah. he had a lead role in some really dreadful uh, sci-fi show in the 90s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but he's so good in so many things. This is all to say you love Alison Janney. And I love Alison Janney so much for like, she's in Juno and... Uh, yeah. There's something else. What was the other thing that I really love her in? The reason Nurse Betty, I think she's in. There, um, there are leading roles, and there, there are characters that have. Who was it I heard say this? Eddie Marsden, Marsden, Marsden. You know Eddie Marsden, the British actor. Uh, you absolutely know who Eddie Marsden is. Google. Him. Do you mean Eddie Redmayne? No, Eddie Marsden. Oh yeah, no, I do know who you mean. Yes, um, sorry, yeah. He bald guy. Yeah, funny-looking yeah, yeah. guy. He said in an interview there are two types of actors. There's actors who play characters who do things and actors who play, play characters who have things done to them. And yeah. Rob Lowe, uh, if you're good-looking, in a traditional sense, you play a character who does, does things. things. Yeah. And Rob Lowe makes up for a lot with his looks. Yeah. Um, Alison Janney, who isn't the traditional good-looking thing, although you fancy the pants off her, um, Alison Janney is someone who has things done to them. So you, you often get a, perhaps a longer career, or more, <laughs> or not in Rob yeah, Lowe's yeah, case, yeah. but you have, a, you have a varied career. And she, she is definitely one of those, and she's great. But Toby is Toby is a kind of a mixture of the two. He's like, he's your hero, whilst also being brooding, having things done to him. Oh, I love him. He's got so much going on. Mm, he's like All a the stuff with his brother and his dad. Pussycat or something. What, what would he be if he was an animal? He's like a very clever sloth. Oh, or a badger. Yeah. That's what a grumpy is. old badger. So that brings me gold. on to my next point. Uh... And we need to crack on here. Toby oh, no, no, hang on quickly before we what? go on to your next point. You remember the scene where Toby and Josh have a fist fight? Yeah. Doesn't it break it your fucking your heart? heart? Breaks your heart. What an amazing Be- and scene. And Toby, and after they, after Josh walks out of the room and Toby just breaks down into yeah. tears. 
Yeah. That horrible, those horrible tears that you have that you can only have after a physical confrontation. Yeah. Because they're yeah. tears of adrenaline and and, yeah. and impotence and frustration. Oh, it breaks my heart. And also, it's a fight with a brother. It's it's yeah, tears it is. They are brothers, brother. aren't they? Yeah. yeah. They say that, and that's you know, it's oh, fantastic. It's just brilliant. Toby wouldn't have done what he did. People say, discuss. I think he absolutely would. I think there was so much wrapped up in that with his brother and the space program and then uh, let, and his own arrogance, which we, you know, which we talked about before. But then let me and, tell and you And his this. relationship with Bartlett as well. Richard Schiff has said in uh, interviews that he didn't like that. He didn't like the way that it went. He felt massively shocked and let down and upset that his character that he believed he worked on for so long would do something like that. And he, the only way he dealt with it was by building a different backstory in his head that he was defending somebody else, that somebody else actually did it, leaked it. Really? Yeah, so there you go. But listening to you've got to listen to the West Wing Weekly where they interviewed Richard I can't Schiff. believe I don't, you know. Oh, I did listen brilliant. to the first one and, I, and yeah. I've forgotten about it completely. I'm well, going to have to go back and There's something on it now known as doing a shift. Uh, and that's when you go on and cry, because he went on and cried in his interview. He's such a big-hearted bloke. And if you've worked with actors, you've known people like this. He's obs- <sighs> he's obsessive about what he does. Aaron Sorkin and Tommy, he sounds like a nightmare. They would have to come and he'd he'd get upset about what they were going to make his character do, and he'd go off and cry in his trailer, and they'd have to go <laughs> and, and they'd change the script based on what he said. So you've got someone who really cares. But also, actors are just pawns in the game of the director and the writer and if they decide that it's going off <laughs> in a certain way tough shit Richard you gotta do it and I did like what I, I didn't like it happening to Toby but I did buy that he would do it I bought that fundamentally he was the guy who went there are there, there, there are absolute rights and absolute wrongs and we can't leave people to die in a spaceship yeah yeah mm. um Here's here's a big one. Uh, we got to deal with this. The West Wing, I believe, was still great after Aaron Sorkin left. When did he leave? It was five, right? F- end of four, he left. End of four. So right, okay. Zoe gets kidnapped, and from, and he runs out the door and he legs it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people, and loads of people I know go, and it, it's like the done thing is that you can't talk about the West Wing without saying. Oh, the latest series are rubbish. And as you may have heard when I was interviewing the director of photography of The West Wing for those last few series, I am a big fan of the last few series. I lo- no, me too. Me I too. love the fact that it changed and the Santos stuff and everything. It was brilliant. I think we all wish that we could have remained for more series in that original state where you're just seeing the inner workings of The West Wing, the team working together. I think I think I, I think great. the show is I think that's one of the great strengths of the show is that it shows the uh, the campaign as well it, it, yeah. it, you know it's yeah. seven years in the White House the problem in a way is that it went too real Dulé Hill said this about it it felt as if in the first four seasons the show was written to pit the characters against the world a romantic and Camelot experience while the later seasons were us versus each other and he's absolutely right that is what it was it's just an awful actor. What a great guy. What a great guy. Um, and he's right, isn't he? It, it turned into real politics where everyone's out for themselves um, as opposed to, hey, the family's together and we're going to take on the world. 
Interesting. I don't know if I entirely agree with that, but um, well, you're wrong to not agree with Dulé. He's <laughs> right. Um, I don't think he's ever been right in his life. <laughs> I think he's a mess. <laughs> um, no, that, that, that's interesting because there, there definitely is that there is a marked change in tone and feel in season five. You just said marked. I did. Wow. I've always thought. It's I don't know. Maybe marked. I'm a dick. I, I know it's marked. There's a yeah, marked. Yeah, I, I think. I, I, Are you I reading this? Is this podcast scripted? Because I haven't Markhead. got the script. Markhead. 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 Shakespearean pronunciation. In yeah, I'm just pronouncing everything weird. Can you not say marked in, in some ways? In some context, you want. I think it's great. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, a marked change in tone mm. in in the middle of series five, where everything is suddenly really difficult. Yep. And um, and the, there's that ridiculous bit where they shut down the government, yeah, uh, which oh. is accompanied by the sound of things shutting down. Yeah. <laughs> I love like, that though, because it's they, like the sound, the slamming of jail doors, because they did the it, dropping though, of tombstones they? in a cave. But they did it a couple of they years did, ago. They did, yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. There is a change, and uh, and I and I think that um, unfortunately everybody will grow up and die, and just like that happens in the West Wing, you can't stay president for um, decades, and no, not anymore. Things change, and that's what happened. They, they had to change it, but I do wish they'd have just stayed in the day to day stuff for like twelve series. Then, no, oh, oh, no I, I, I thought it was really good. I thought it did a very good job of uh, of transitioning um, through the gears of of a political administration yeah. and showing the full breadth of uh, of the American, uh, you know, political landscape. Yeah. Especially because, and I, I, f- I forget to be honest that Sorkin wasn't around for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Especially because um, that election. The Santos versus uh, what the hell is his name? Um, ah, God, oh, Vinick, Vinick, Arnie Vinick. Yeah. The Santos versus Vinick campaign is two two righteous men, yeah, going at it, yeah, and and they're both being kind of um, tugged at and tweaked by their demons on both sides, yeah. I love like it. The, dem- the Democrats want to be ultra Democrat, and the and the Republicans want to be ultra Republican. But the two candidates stand up for what they want. Yeah. And there's that one incredible debate episode. Oh yeah, the live one, which is absolutely ridiculous. Like, the <laughs> idea that any two people can be this eloquent for yeah, an hour. I know, I know. But well done to the actors because it was actually live TV. God, weren't they brilliant though? Yeah. Jimmy Smits and um, yeah, there's a couple of screw ups. Aaron there. Arkin. There's there's there's, Arkin. there's one point in it right where 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 Santos forgets a line. Jimmy Smits forgets to say a word, and it's a key word for Vinick. Santos is supposed to say something like military, and he doesn't say the word. He just forgets his line, and Vinick, uh-huh. um, what's his name, Alan Alda goes. Military? You talk about military, and he hasn't mentioned military. Oh, really? I <laughs> yeah, never noticed yeah. that. It's not military. The world isn't military. That it's just a word. But it's a it's a hilarious moment for the uh, for the um, flying by the seat of your pants uh, uh, actors watching. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm glad you liked the last series because I thought you were going to be one of those that says it. Even in this uh, masterclass that I'm watching, Aaron Sorkin does a thing where, because he says he hasn't watched any of the West Wing after he left because he couldn't bear it. And he he then, they him and a group of writers tried to write the first episode that he would have written if he'd have stayed based on what was what came before and stuff. And he says to this group of young writers, he said, has anybody actually watched it? And this girl goes, yeah, I have, but I've... I did my I did my best to forget it as soon as I'd watched it, and it, so even there, like, it's not just the fans. There, there really is this stink wow. stink bomb of like coolery that is people going, oh yeah, got rubbish after Aaron left. Oh no, not Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, oh, actually, it's terrible, then. I, actually, if anything, I think whilst Aaron Sorkin's brilliant, you could hear his voice in every character in the in the seasons he wrote, and after that, you got something that was much more uh, nuanced albeit that it had to go in the way that Dulé described of people going against each other I think yeah um, but you know there is that the, the life of the administration is very weird like Obama is in a very strange place now yeah where everything's kind of done and it has been since the beginning of this year really yeah, yeah. so as soon as the next campaign starts yours is pretty much over yeah you can't get anything done because no one wants to change anything because they're going to have a new president next year yeah and it, it is a very strange time we and, need to uh, wrap up have you got any big ones left you know what the the, the, the last thing I, I was going to say is it's again about his writing mm. uh, is that this show is the best example of what i like what i maybe i've ripped off as a term from someone else but i like to call information dumping yeah yeah um and if I'm sure you know what I mean by that. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly right. Exposition. Yeah. Wherein, like, they are dealing with incredibly complex things in some of these episodes. Yeah. Um, And yet they have these characters who exist and who are believable in asking about what's going on. Yeah. So they're able to trot out... Uh, like uh, it's one of the things I would say to people when they watch it is they go oh I just don't understand all the political stuff and I say watch it till the end of the episode yeah, yeah and there yeah. will be a scene where they walk you fucking through it yeah and but often, it makes sense and, and because there's, there's the Josh they're and walking Donna. someone else through it yeah Josh and Donna and there's the, there's a great episode about the census mm. where CJ comes to Sam at the beginning of the episode and says I don't know anything about the census yeah and he says you're the press secretary and she goes yeah I've been winging it. <laughs> and it's like he's you've been winging it <laughs> in meetings with the president and, and, and she's, she's like yeah i should probably not do that so can you fucking help me kind of thing there's some great that's what another thing that's great about alison janney is she does comedy really well it's really God, good. she's so funny you know one of my favorite just gonna eulogize about alison janney do you remember the episode called privateers which is um where it's in series five um, and it's uh, Amy's first day as the first lady's um, oh, yeah. chief of staff. Yeah. And they have that meeting with uh, Marion Cogsworth Hay of Marblehead. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, do, yeah. and they're laughing. Uh, and yeah. uh, the woman stands up and goes, <laughs> I'm Marion Cogsworth Hay. And CJ just bursts out laughing. Yeah. <laughs> she's got the best laugh I've yeah. ever heard. Yeah, you love she's, her. She's wonderful. I do love yeah, her very, she's very great. much. Um, two final points uh, from, from me that I'll merge into one and you can answer them both. They could do another series, discuss, and West Wing changed your life, discuss. Uh, they definitely could do another series and it did change my life because it got me interested in American politics. Me too. Um, it was brilliant for everything that I've criticised because I'm now older and more jaded. It's it's still the world that I 
I think about more than anything when American politics happens at all. You know, you kind of think that those characters are still there in the West Wing. And I would, and I would love to see a, a, another series. I don't think they should do it though. How, I, how I could they, they could, do it but they now shouldn't. that they all look old? <laughs> what could they do? No, they couldn't do it with the same characters. Oh. Well, maybe they could do it, the the odd one here and there. Like Josh could still be going, but I think mm. obviously Toby's done, Bartlett's done. Yeah, Dula Hill could be in it. And um, I love Josh Molina, actually. I think I, I, I really liked the, when they brought him in instead of Sam. It was like, oh, great, this makes sense. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. He's a, a big, big, big Sorkin uh, through runner, actually. He's in a lot of his stuff. That's right. Um, That's right. He's great. You know, he's in Few Good Men. Yes, yeah. I uh, was in the stage series first, wasn't he? I think the stage play of, of, of A Few Good Men. Was it was A Few Good Men on stage? It was, I but think it, was, it was. Yeah, he was in that. many years later, he, uh, which uh, had Sam Seaborn in the. Um, that's right. That's right. Had Rob Lowe in the uh, the, the Tom. Yeah, Bruce he's great, role. and you hated him because you you wanted Sam to come back at first, although you didn't because you. Were I going, didn't. No, I was I was great. I was like, oh, brilliant! Sam's gone. We got this great new guy. I love him. <laughs> and he was in Sports Night as well. Have you ever seen Sports Night? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, but I, I need to watch it. I need to. Uh, great show yeah well you 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 get just go to parks and rec season two and i promise you it'll change your life almost as much as the west wing and ron who is a character in that appears in the west wing but i won't tell you who he is ron i, I will tell you who he is um the character ron in parks and rec is played by um oh, jesus i can't believe i forgot his name in every episode um he plays. Do you remember when they do the block of cheese day and they have people there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do know who you're talking about, and he's the one who talks about um, Pluky, is it the wolf? The highway, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The wolf's only highway. Um, that's great. Ron Swanson. Yeah, Ron Swanson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also in the Gilmore Girls, uh, circa 1990, whatever or 2001, Abed is in a scene. No way, Danny yeah, Poody. Danny Poody's in a scene, and he's just like a little extra. Maybe he's got one line, and he's just totally like not confident actor. <laughs> it's really cute, amazing. Looks exactly the same. I'm sure he's about fifty five. Um, That's cool. So there we go. But we'll we'll come back to Community. I'm about ten episodes off finishing season six, seven, the last season. So. Oh wow, you're further ahead than me. I oh my stopped. god. Oh, we need to do it. Crack on, Matt. No, Crack I'm not going. No, oh. it died. It's dead. What we'll come back to it. It's not that there are three seasons of community. There's not. You're wrong. There are three. You're absolutely wrong. There's some great stuff in seasons five. In season five, because he came back to it. No, you're fucking wrong. I watched series five. It's shit. Dan Harmon came back. I know he did. Season four. Sorry, I meant season four. No, series four is terrible. That's the one without Harmon, and series five is even worse. because it's got Harmon, and it's just it's dead. It's all dead. You're wrong. There's some great stuff. Yeah, some great perfect stuff. three series right well um, good thank you this has been great uh, we could have gone on for five more podcasts about the West Wing definitely god I love the West Wing it's so good and I think it is the first on my list into the into the spaceship me too me too what a what are your other thing. two? Oh, well I've always said Chuck um, Mad Men Definitely Mad Men. You know, just because uh, you've always said Chuck doesn't mean you can't change your mind. I know, well, that's what I'm considering, but uh, Mad Men I think is you should. Uh, definitely up there. And um, I can't think now. But, um, yeah, Chuck's up there. So you got I think I went, I went for The Wire and Cheers. 
Oh, nice. Cheers, eh? Yeah. Oh, well, actually, I'll trump cheers with... Uh, Fraser. Fraser, yeah. Well, oh. it was between cheers and Fraser for oh, me. It's it's and Fraser. Seinfeld, those three. Fraser's the the perfect comedy. That's what I say. Flawless. I think you are not far off the truth. And in fact, if, if cheers didn't have series one and two, I think it would be perfect as well. Well, there you go. Clearly, much more to discuss on future episodes so of much. the Box Set Pod. Would you want to come back next week and join me and Jack to talk Sopranos? Sure. Let's do that. Let's do that. And then we'll see if Jamie wants to join us again after that. Um, okay. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much and good luck with Chuck. Uh, do do crack on because it gets better and better and better. I don't see it, man. It's just not doing anything for you. Yeah, it does. It does. See you next week, Sopranos! Cheers, Al. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks very much. I hope Dooley Hill good, isn't it? never listens to this. Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> Poor old Dooley Hill. I actually really like him, isn't it? Yeah, I know you do. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.